Blog Talk Radio. Hello? Yes, hi, this is Margina. Margina, how are you? Fine, how are you? I'm good. I I couldn't I couldn't wait to have you on today. I I and because um I love the area that you're um Matt, before we talk, can you do me a can you do me a, a small favor and introduce yourself to my listeners. Let them know what a brilliant individual visual you are. Okay. No problem. Will you tell me? Go ahead. Uh-oh. Oh, okay. So I'm Margina Carter, a psychotherapist, licensed marriage and family therapist, the owner of Carter Care Therapeutic Services, located in Manhattan Beach, California. Awesome. Awesome. Now, I, I, I'm a big advocate, if I could, I'm a big advocate for uh, mental health awareness. Every maybe most maybe like three or four times a year, I raise money for the cause for treatment and um, different things to help it. I'm a big advocate for that, so that's one of the main reasons why I I I couldn't wait to have you on, and uh, I appreciate you for uh, helping individuals with all kind of disorders, uh, mental disorders. Uh, so tell us a little bit about how and uh, what inspired you to want to become a psychotherapist. So originally, I was a therapist before even knowing it. Um, in junior high school, uh, I was a junior counselor, and in high school, I was a peer mediator. And so I was a therapist before even knowing what it was called. It wasn't until I got in my last year of high school, and I asked the counselor who I was working under, well, how do I do this? And you know, once I graduated, she's like, this is called a therapist. And I said, oh, okay, I have to go into the field of psychology. But what originally, even prior to that, my early more formative years, that got me so interested in just how the mind works and functions, I have both an aunt and uncle with schizophrenia. And it was always just so interesting to me to hear them respond to their voices. Um, And just exactly how the brain can cause you to hear things, see things, feel things that aren't there. And as a young girl, I would sit by my aunt's room when she'd come to visit and for hours and just listen to her respond to her voices. And as I got older, you know, because there was no, there was no one there, as I got older, I understood that she had a mental illness called schizophrenia, and that is really where the basis of my work began at a young age. That's awesome. Now, um, as you went along, now did that? How did you feel about that? And as you got older to understand it, and you went as you you went to school to study, what transpires that? Could it be trauma caused at some point, or what what causes that? So we call it nature versus nurture. There can be like you can be predisposed. So. This could be something like nature. We call nature. So essentially you had a family member who had schizophrenia or it is something that ran in your family. 
So mm-hmm. you had a predis you were predisposed to it because it's something that is in your family history. Versus okay. nurture, right? Nurture is you had abuse and the way in which you know you were raised, or if you had severe abuse, or maybe if there was drug use pushed you um, into a psychotic break, and then it developed into schizophrenia. No one really knows. You, you really have to go through someone's history to understand, because, and because there are some folks who get the disease, unfortunately, who do not have anyone in their family with it um, and did not use drugs, and it just happens that they unfortunately developed it. Now, you have your own uh, – now, I, I I read a little bit about – you. I was reading, and you um, – well, you were speaking about the uh, celebrities such as Kanye, Mariah, and uh, Ariana Grande um, on the different areas of uh, their mental – you know, different mental disorders that they have. Yeah. Um, do you think that can have a – do you think that came from uh, – the type of because of their careers that they have, or and the pressure that they go through to actually be the individuals that they are. I think again, when we remember we talked about just the nature versus nurture, so it could be something mm-hmm. that whether they were a celebrity or not, that they would have gotten. You know, mm-hmm. there are some celebrities that have far more pressure, get far more scrutiny. Um, and ha- far more hate and, and didn't develop a mental illness. It could have been something that, that, that they could have developed either way or that the um, level and the pressure and the stress that comes along with entertainment could push you into a mental um, health illness. Mm-hmm. I think that far with, with Ariana Grande, a lot of her, you know, her struggle is anxiety that can definitely be caused by the amount of pressure, um, you know, feeling like you're never alone, like you're a ownership or a product of the environment. Like you're, you know, as a celebrity, your fans own you. So it definitely, I think there are a lot of pressures that come along with that. And and that's why you often see child stars who go down the wrong path because there is a lot of pressure. And when you're younger and you, or you've spent so much time in the limelight in, in media, your life is almost like it isn't your own. You're really owned by your fans. And it can mm-hmm. definitely create a space of, you know, chemical imbalance. <laughs> now, the um, as far as the bipolar disorder, um, I, there was an artist that was on the show, and um, he – uh, went to the point to where he was going to jump off a bridge. Um, what do you think that comes from the bipolar disorder? The, what do you think that starts from? Well, and I think, again, it depends on what type of bipolar you have. There's more than mm-hmm. one type. There's bipolar one, which is the one that Kanye's talked about with mania. And there's bipolar two, where there's a major depressive disorder. So I think either or. You know, it is a severe chemical imbalance. If you're in mania, then you become you can become very delusional, very psychotic, hear voices, have hallucinations that may push you. You know, maybe a voice is the one that told you to jump the bridge, that you could actually survive it. Um, there's a grandiose thinking, you know. Um, 
and with someone with bipolar 2 who has had major depressive disorder, if you're someone who has had a major depressive disorder, you could also hear voices because, again, it's a chemical imbalance. So anyone can hear voices if there's an imbalance. But with the major depressive piece, you will find the, um, the attempts of suicide a lot, um, a lot higher because people are extremely depressed. And when you're depressed, and you feel like you can't come out of it, or you three, four days in the bed without showering, you know, you're not answering the phone for family members, it can feel like the lowest and the darkest place. And oftentimes when you have those suicidal thoughts, you know, you feel like there's no other option. There is no other route. And I, it, it's better to not live than to continue to live this way. Now, you have your, uh, what is the name of your, your, your company again? It's Carter Care Therapeutic Services, and it's a psychological group practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're the, you're the owner. Yes, I am. Okay. Now, tell us a little bit about your your company and uh, what it focuses on. It, it focuses on your family therapy, correct? Yes. Yes, I am. So, Carter Care Therapeutic Services is a group practice. So, essentially, we are a group of therapists that work together. Some therapists treat children. Some therapists in our field may focus on strictly anxiety, addiction, sexual addiction, but we are mainly trauma-focused. So really anyone that comes in the door, trauma is our main focus. So it could be co-occurring, so you could be experiencing trauma through transitioning or you know, if you're transgendered or LGBTQ or you're someone who was sexually abused or you grew up in a household or in an environment where there's gang violence, a lot of the work we do is surrounded by helping folks get through their trauma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, because because one has experienced trauma, now, um, do you always think that medication is a solution or do you, do you think that they could actually do therapy, do therapeutic, do talking and do certain exercises and, you know, like doing different things that they enjoy. Do you think that that could be an option as well? Yes, absolutely. For me, I'm very modest. I think medication is the last resort, but I think it's important for mm-hmm. people to understand that it, that if therapy isn't working, then you need to be on medication and that medication helps. And sometimes that you can't even get to the goal. Sometimes in therapy, it's difficult for me to even get to the root of the issue because someone is in such a bad choir medication and they're not taking it. So oftentimes people will say they don't want the medication, but then they don't understand why therapy isn't working. The medication is there to help with the chemical imbalance. If you're in treatment and therapy isn't working, then that means that there needs to be a a next level of care, which is medication. So oftentimes we work hand in hand. There are sometimes people get on the medication just to get them to a better place, and then they get off it, just as if you had, you know, you struggle with your diabetes, or sometimes you may be at the point where you need to take insulin, or you're doing well where you don't. Sometimes a doctor will say, hey, with exercise, then you could manage the diabetes without taking insulin. And it's the same with mental health. If you are healthier, then you don't need the medication. You come to therapy, you get the support, you change your mindset. We work on things like tools and coping mechanisms 
in ways that can help you and assist you in getting to a better place emotionally. But if therapy isn't working, then I am definitely an advocate for medication because sometimes therapy is just not enough. Mm-hmm. But do you think about the um, – I the reason why I ask that question is because some people, a lot of doctors, they – a lot of psychiatrists, they love to uh, – the first thing that comes to mind is medication from off the top. And um, I've seen some, a lot, I've seen a few people that have, their medication has become a drug. So now we are, now we're, now we have another issue that we have to, uh, to resolve. Yeah. You know, I think it can be very sad you know, when people struggle with addiction, because if you're someone that struggles with addiction, you can be addicted to a person. You don't have to be addicted to a medication. You can be addicted to food. That's why we have, you know, eating disorders. You can be addicted Mm -hmm. to internet, porn. When you struggle with an addiction, anything you can become addicted Mm -hmm. to. I think people struggle with, with the ideal of psychiatrists and they say psychiatrists only want to give me medication that's what they do psychiatrists are not therapists people don't understand a psychiatrist is not a therapist they were not trained to treat mental health through behavioral intervention right helping you to change your mindset they were trained to treat mental illness through medication that is what that's their job they're essentially not a a mental health therapist they are under the umbrella of psychotherapists, but psychotherapists falls along the spectrum. You can be a social worker. You can be a licensed counselor and still be identified as a psychotherapist, just like, and I tell people the education, just like nurses. You have your registered nurse. You have your nurse practitioner. You have your LVN, your RN. They all fall under the umbrella but do different things. Psychiatrists are there to treat you through medication. So if you're going to a psychiatrist, of course you're going to get medication because that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm glad you, I'm glad you clarified that so my listeners can um, understand the difference between the psychiatrist and the therapist. Because yeah. a lot of them thinking, you know, that, okay, the psychiatrist, but they're, so they're there for medication purposes uh, 90% of the time. Um, so I'm glad you clarified that. Another question that one of my listeners had is, uh, how do you, do you work with children as well, yourself personally? I know how to treat children, but I do not Mm -hmm. work with children. And I don't want to say I don't work with children because here's the thing. I think that it's important for therapists. There are some therapists that specialize in children. That doesn't mean that they don't treat adults, right? But most of us want to stay within our specialty. When you have a specialty, that means that you stay up on all the certain things that come along with that cohort. So if you're, for me, can I treat children? Yes. Do I treat children? Yes. If there is a family that comes in and they need help with their child and I'm doing family therapy or if I'm treating the mom or the dad and they're like, I need your support with my child because I trust you, I absolutely can treat it. But there are parameters, I think, that is important if you're a child therapist. If you're a child therapist and they only specialize in children, then they stay up on even the latest cartoons. 
versus me. Mm -hmm. I'm an adult therapist, so my or, and I work with teenagers, so I look at things like Snapchat, Instagram. I stay up, Spotify, stay up on the things that are relevant to that cohort because that's my specialization. That doesn't mean that I can't treat children, but there, there will be some limitations there when it comes to maybe communicating with a child, you know, about the latest cartoon or certain things they normally do on a day-to-day basis because it is not my specialty. Mm-hmm. Now, the it's forceful like this. A lot of teenagers now, they have the Instagram and they just have the Snapchat. Um, do you think that can, do you think that has an effect on how they cope with uh, their daily lives? Well, number one, I think that social media in itself can be an addiction. And oftentimes there is a view of what you see someone and you're only seeing it through what they have chosen to put out there, their filters, the pictures they choose to show. They're only showing good things. And for teenagers, it's very difficult at that age to be able to read between the lines, to be able to understand that what someone put out and put on Instagram is a conscious choice. They're not going to take a picture when they're looking the worst. But as a teenager, because you're still developing your thought processes and understanding certain things, it's hard to disconnect from that. And so absolutely, I think that it can hinder your view of what things really are, it could shift teenagers or adolescents' um, ideal of what is reality because there's not that, they don't have so much of a concrete understanding that what you see here is just what someone chose for you to see that may be completely opposite of what happens behind the phone lens or the camera lens. So, yes, I think that social media can have a, a, a really negative effect on teenagers, and I think that parents should limit the amount of time children are on social media, adolescents. And I also think when your child is going through something difficult, that you should eliminate social media altogether because in the end there can be influences that you're not privy to because you're not there when they have instant access to things right on their smartphone. Parents have to monitor their children's social media. There should be parental advisories, I think, until children at least 16. And even then, uh, you have to be mindful because, again, there's so much out there and it's such easy access, and this is where you find that children are even having that social contagion. And I've had a couple even teenagers here where they've started cutting. That's where the drug use is coming from. That's where the marijuana use is coming from. When you see that hype, on social media. That's where a lot of the kids have started vaping because you see that on social media and it looks cool. Right. No, I asked this, I was, I was at a, um, I was at a, 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 a health fair and I ran across a, 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 a lady who has a, a cannabis. She grows it, you know, and she, um, I'm, I'm so my understanding that they're uh, giving this for mental health. Do you think that's a good idea for treatment? Um, you know, I, myself, I, I think, I don't know, that's kind of tough because here's the thing. I think that cannabis can be used 
in some really great ways. And the way mm-hmm. in which providers are using it for those who struggle with certain mental health disorders, it's not the one that gets you high. And I think that's where people mm-hmm. are confused. It doesn't, it's not getting right. you high. It's just the, um, the um, beneficial properties, not the part that gets you high. So, and it is the same that people have used with cancer. It, it doesn't get you high. It is just mm-hmm. the benefits of it. Now, here's the thing. I think that there are some negative effects. I think that people can get addicted. So when it comes to mental health, if there are professionals that are using it, for those out there listening, they're not using – people aren't smoking it, and they're not using it to get high. There are certain things that – properties that come along with it, maybe like they're putting your, your food or in butter. I think that for some people who struggle with um, anorexia, I've heard that, you know – eating disorder therapists or some clients who struggle with eating disorder will use it to help increase an appetite. But, you know, I think it depends on the individual. For me, I treat people with severe trauma, and oftentimes those with severe trauma will find ways to escape. So I don't recommend it for the clients that I work with. I do not. I think that it's very important for people to manage their mental health and their symptoms in a sober way. And again, for those out there that that are listening, when you have heard of cannabis being used for mental health purposes, it is not the one that's getting you high. And I think that's where people are confused. Folks are not getting high from it. It is just the, the, the benefit, the um, good properties that are being used. When, when actually, Mel, well, a lot of around across the U.S., some locations are trying to make it uh, marijuana in general legal. And I, I think that that's going to be an issue if, I, if certain, I mean, I know certain locations are already, it's, it's legalized, but I think that's going to be an issue uh, when, you know, in the location that, that they are illegal because people take it to the advantage. Yeah. And it's like any drug, same with alcohol. You know, it's, you see so many people struggle with alcoholism. There's alcohol every single where, every corner you turn, which is why it's a struggle for so many people to become clean because it is everywhere. So, yeah, it, there are definitely, but then there are people who have alcohol in a healthy fashion. There are people who own wineries where they enjoy that and they're they're healthy with it. Same with some of, you know, the, the cannabis where there are people who use it. Um, I, and I just read not too long ago, there's like a cannabis chef. There is actually was in the latest magazine, the latest issue of Rolling Stone where there was a cannabis chef. So I think that it, it, it really depends on the person. If you're somebody who struggles with an addiction, Mm-hmm. then it, it really is on us to be the ones to control that because there are so many things out there that you can become addicted to. And, yeah, when it becomes legal, there there will be singing stuff on that. You know, but it's the same with cigarettes. We see all the warnings that it causes cancer and people are still doing it. And I, I think the bigger issue is not so much the legalization. The bigger issue is that for individuals to be able to control their habits and to have do things mm-hmm. in moderation and to understand that what may be something good for someone else may not necessarily be helpful for you. And it's understanding mm-hmm. ourselves and understanding our limitations. 
as a as a as a therapist, if I may ask, um, how do you uh, win your clients into uh, trust? And I I asked this question. I had a, 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 a listener who just emailed me. She's currently in therapy uh, for you know for schizophrenia and, and uh, mood swings, and she over overhears her therapist discussing her case with other clinicians within the center, and now she's having a hard time trusting. Uh, what, what kind of what what kind of advice or what suggestion that you recommend? Well, if you're in a residential treatment center, it's called coordination mm-hmm. of care, and everyone mm-hmm. in the center should be prevy. If they're on your case, we also have what we call case consultation. So when you're in mm-hmm. a treatment center, it's different. I worked for many years in lockdown psychiatric facilities, what we call mm-hmm. IND, Institution for Mental Disease. I've also worked for many years on inpatient units where people are coming here actively psychotic. When you're there, you have the director of nursing, you have the social worker, you have mental health workers. They have to be privy to what is going on with you in order so that Mm -hmm. everyone can stay on the same page and everyone can be on the same page when it comes to your treatment. So, yes, that makes sense. And the confidentiality is, is limited to those who are working with you. They can't share your information with the janitor, but, yes, they can absolutely share information with other therapists. If you're in a residential treatment center, I work in a private practice. So mm-hmm. if I work in a group practice and there are other therapists that work with me, when we're sharing information based on clients, the client's information remains confidential because mm-hmm. only I work with the client. Versus in residential treatment centers, there's three and four and five people working with that same client. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now I'm okay, so okay. Go ahead. Go I'm ahead, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. no, 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 no say there's, there's limits to confidentiality. There are limits, mm-hmm. and and you will find clients who say, "Oh, you're breaking confidentiality." The point is, is that there are limits to confidentiality. If you are a danger to yourself confidentiality is broken. If you're a danger to others, confidentiality can be broken. If you are gravely disabled to so someone who struggles with schizophrenia, and confidentiality can be broken because it's in your best interest. If you're working in a residential treatment um, center, some, what about the days when you're not there? You know, or when you take two weeks off, there's somebody filling in for you versus an in individual therapy. When I'm not here, my clients don't get therapy. So it's about, and I think for the listeners, it's important for them to understand that it's all in your best interest. And for me, when it comes to creating trust, it's always important that I share that up front, that no matter what, yes, the trust is here, but, but your mental health is more important than any trust that, that we have developed. If I feel that you're unsafe, it may break it may break your trust that that I go and and you know call the hospital or, or have you placed on a psychiatric hold. That may very well break your trust, but your safety is far more important than feeling like your trust is broken. And, and essentially, clients understand that you just want to help. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Margina, uh, if you could. 
uh, uh, give information uh, about how they could reach out to your practice in case they want to come in. Uh, uh, explain how they can come in and uh, get a part. You know, they want they need therapy or they have a family member needs therapy. How can they get in touch with your your practice? Folks can find me on Instagram and Facebook. My website is www.marginacarter.com. So that's M-A-R-G-E-N-A, carter.com. They could also find me on, and for those listening, it's Margina with an E, not an I. You can find me on <laughs> Facebook and Instagram. And also contact me through my website. You can Google Carter Care Therapeutic Services or go to my website and reach out to me that way. Thank you so much. Um, Margina, um, I, I definitely would love to have you back on um, again because this, this was a great, great interview. Uh, you are truly a, you are truly great uh, at what you do, I can tell. And um, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to talk to me. I really appreciate it so, so much. And um, if I ask before I, before I let you go, I know, you, I know you're busy. Um, did you, did you, I, I personally did maybe – three or four mental health uh, walks this year. Do, do you participate in those kind of uh, activities? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Um, I, give, um, I do walks for NAMI, which is the National Alliance for Mental um, Health. I do um, walks and within our, like, therapy field, we have certain things like, um, looking at my mind, what it's called. Um, oh, so, like, our uh, camp. So we have organizations with the California Association of Marriage Family Therapists. There are so many things that are out there, I think, that people can become a part of in order to make sure that you're supporting mental health. One of the, the things that I would, and just for listeners, and even myself, is to try to volunteer. Go to your homeless population, because that is the biggest population of people who struggle with mental illness and who are untreated, who maybe got kicked out by a family member or uh, cannot afford to be in a residential treatment center who are on the streets. Those are the people that need the most. And yeah, I spent some time. I'm going actually uh, next week to do some um, serving and some volunteering uh, with the homeless. And so you know, for the holidays, I think that if people want to get out there and help, the best thing to do is show up at a soup kitchen and serve some food and, you know, put some smiles on some faces and give, you know, give some good handshakes. Some people want hugs. If you're a hugger, give some hugs because this is a time and it's the most difficult mental illness or not. If you don't have anyone and you're out on the streets on the holidays, it, it, a smile and someone who could serve food to you and make you laugh is, is so priceless and the best Christmas gift that you could possibly get. Right, right. God bless you, uh, Margina, for all the work that you've done. And um, uh, if I could ask very quickly, uh, uh, besides, I know you said you're going to be feeding uh, individuals for the holiday season. Anything else you're doing for the Christmas holiday, New Year? You know, I've been trying to spread the word on holiday blues. So if people, again, you can go to my Instagram and check out some videos. I'm going to be doing, putting up more videos because people don't understand seasonal depression and situational depression. And outside of that, I try to really be in the office during this time. I get a lot of calls and there, when there are family issues or fam, you know, people are having struggles with family, they call me. And so really for me, I actually 
stay in town during the holidays, and I leave after the holidays to go visit family because I really want to be here um, for clients. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to be here treating patients during the holiday. Awesome. Oh, my God. That is awesome. But uh, do you cook? you going to cook a little something I for the holiday? Cook. I do cook, and that's my outlet. It's so important for people to have outlets. One of my outlets is cooking, and I'm I'm like a connoisseur of coffee. I've traveled all over collecting coffee beans and go to roasters. And But, yes, cooking is one of my pastimes. I cook all kinds of meals, and, and, and I'm very healthy, so a lot of my meals are um, very plant-based. I try very hard to not eat meat. I haven't had meat in God knows how long. And so, yes, I cook, and a lot of mine are very, like, low-calorie, healthy meals, but still hearty, finding a way to live healthy, eat healthy, be healthy mentally and physically. And, yeah, that's why cooking is one of my outlets. When I'm not here in the therapy office, I got to find a way to stay mentally healthy as well. Awesome. Martina, it was truly a pleasure. I thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. You have to come back. You have to come back really soon. I'm going to definitely reach out to you again to have you back on at a later date, okay? Well, thank you so much for having me. I would love to come back. And I want to say this to the listeners, that anyone that's struggling with a mental health illness or if you know someone that's struggling, please reach out. Please get help. Suicide is real. It's not a them thing. It is a us thing. Everyone experiences it. And, you know, it's important to make sure that we get help. Let's save a life. Let's save your life. If you're struggling, it's okay. Reach out. Get a therapist. Go to the hospital if you have to. Get some help so you can save a life. And thank you again so much for having me. I really appreciate you, and I'd love to come No back. problem, no problem. Before before I let you go, uh, listen. Just uh, ask me now. Are, uh, do you take uh, like and do, what type of insurances do you take? Cause I... Yeah, I take Kaiser Insurance. So if you mm-hmm. are anyone that's within the Kaiser network, I accept Kaiser Insurance. You would just go to your primary care doctor, and they will mm-hmm. provide me with the referral for treatment. I also am out of network with all insurance companies, Blue Cross, Blue Shield. So that means that you'd have to have a PPO insurance plan with out-of-networks benefits in order to seek treatment, which means essentially that you would pay for services up front and the insurance company would reimburse you. I also accept EAP. So those of you out there that have insurance and you have employee assistance, you can use your employee assistance program to come and see us. We do accept EAP as well. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you so much, uh, Regina, for coming. I really appreciate it. Look forward to talking with you soon. Have a Merry Christmas and a blessed New Year. You too. Take care. All right. Thank you so much. I want to send a special thanks uh, to uh, Melissa and uh, Martina for coming on the show. She's truly great. And I know you guys, we're going to have her back on. I got you. See your emails pouring in for her. Um, we're gonna have one on a letter D. I'll definitely let you guys know uh, when we're gonna have her back on. She was truly amazing, and a lot of you guys, those two guys who do suffer from mental health, uh, please reach out to her or your or within your area. If you're in the LA area, uh, California area, please reach out to her. She's in California, so make sure you guys reach out to her. She's truly brilliant. And those of you who do need her mental, we go to your local. Uh, reach out to your insurance carriers and, and find a good therapist that will help you through your um, your mental health uh, 
um, disease because it's very important. This is the holiday season. A lot of us are with our families and, you know, we don't have anyone, you know, so reach out and get the help that you need because it's very important. It will help you live a better and stronger life. Uh, I'm going to jump into a track very quickly, and I'll be right back. This is the Timothy Hot Show, Aaron Powell, 93.4 FM.
Shout out to Chris Brown for that track, uh, Loyal. Um, I was reading over, I mean, I'm reading, um, there was a big incident with, um, I guess Kodak Black appeared on um, Evil in the Morning with uh, Rosenberg and uh, Laura Stout over at uh, Hot 97, and it's been it's viral all over the internet. And so make sure you guys check that out. I'm not going to. I'm not gonna read any information about, it, but just make sure you guys check that out. I was just read over reading it, and um, looks like things that I, I saw the video. But you guys give your feedback, you know, on what you thought about it, um, that interview. Uh, I also wanted to. Um, I overheard. I heard actually that um, Shaka Kong and um, Rufus and um, El Cuche they did not make the um, Hall of Fame. They were not inducted into the Rock Hall of Fame. I guess. There's not enough votes. So those of you guys who are uh, in uh, media or in radio or entertainment, um, your votes do count. Your votes do matter. So uh, if you guys just miss time that there's a lot of inductees and many your votes, please vote because it's very important. A lot of the artists who are very deserving uh, of um, of being inducted into a lot of who have worked so hard and so diligently to uh, master their craft. So uh, – Voting is very important. Um, also, uh, but Janet Jackson uh, was inducted, so she would join her her uh, her brother Michael and the uh, the entire uh, Jackson family. Um, I'm sorry, the Jackson Five, along with Michael Jackson as well. Were, um, so she will be inducted. So congratulations to Miss Janet Jackson. Also, those of you guys who are in the New York um, tri-state area, Tony Braxton. Is on tour. I think mean, uh, I believe she will be at the Prudential Center. Uh, she's in Newark, uh, along with uh, Kenny Babyface, Edmonds, and also SWV. So uh, check out the uh, Ticketmaster box office, or go to the Prudential bo- uh, box office for tickets. I uh, hear that's going to be a great show. So uh, those of you guys who are in the area on that time, please uh, go check it out. Also. Valentine's Day, Miss Patty LaBelle and uh, Freddie Jackson will be at uh, the Performing Arts Center, so you can also check that out uh, as well. Your tickets are available at Ticketmaster and um, the new uh, Performing Arts uh, box office as well. Um, so check out also check out events.com to find out more of the upcoming concerts and tours that are uh, in your area. Um, it's going to be exciting. Hopefully, you know, you can take the family out for uh, an event on the Christmas uh, New Year holiday. I love you so much. Stay up. Stay strong.